You are listening to the Freight Buyers Club, a home for those interested in international trade, shipping, procurement, logistics, and air freight. In fact, all things supply chain in the Americas, Asia, and beyond. Hello, I'm Mike King, and welcome to this News Insight episode of the Freight Buyers Club podcast. As we talk now in the second week of January, there's a strong expectation that rising container shipping rates due to the Red Sea crisis will lead to shipment delays and just-in-time supply chains will run out of parts or inventory and all this will lead shippers to turn to air cargo. It's happened before and it likely happen again. But to get some more insight on this, I'd like to welcome a man with more than 20 years of air cargo experience, including a lengthy tenure at the International Air Transport Association. It's IATA's Global Head of Cargo, Brendan Sullivan. How are you doing, Brendan? Fighting fit for 2024? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Managed to take a nice little break over the Christmas period with the family, and so uh, ready to jump back into it. I originally uh, started talking to your colleagues at IATA, Brendan, about doing this interview in early December when IATA issued a series of updates on global air cargo performance last year, and you also had some forecasts for 2024. The the world has changed so quickly in that short period of time. Is is this the sort of disruption to trade that really shows air cargo in its best light? I think it is. I mean, absolutely. If we take a look back at the pandemic, for example, the extremely quick pivot that the air cargo industry made to to put the passenger aircraft that were taken out of service back into service as full cargo or what we call praters. Uh, I mean, that was extremely quick. In some cases, weeks, airlines were able to turn that around. We've had maritime issues uh, in the past, either port or canal issues, where air cargo has been able to step in and very quickly kind of address the concerns of the supply chain community overall. And it's that ability to pivot and the efficiency that air cargo has that makes it capable of doing that and really shows its true colors. As you mentioned there, during the the pandemic, the whole world started relying on air cargo and also cargo got a lot more attention from airline management. There was a feeling that maybe that that period of at the pinnacle of its powers had passed, but is this Red Sea crisis, is that bringing air cargo back to the forefront again? I don't think it actually ever went away. It doesn't seem to be the case. I mean, cargo revenue is going to continue to decline. The the split between passenger and cargo revenue will come back to the pre-pandemic levels to some extent. But the airline CEOs themselves, I think, have captured the importance and the value of air cargo to the world's supply chains. And so they continue to kind of focus on cargo modernization, on efficiency projects throughout this. Then you take a crisis, either a humanitarian or we could have uh, operational or congestion issues, and immediately they start to once again see the benefits. I think it's keeping it in the focus of the airline CEOs. And that is sometimes a bit of a challenge, right? But if they see the importance when it comes to humanitarian or people's supply chains more generally, then, you know, it stays as a primary priority for them. We've got two wars going on at the moment, Middle East and in the Black Sea. How is that affecting operations for airlines? Can you just give a general overview, maybe for someone who's not that familiar with with either cargo operations or maybe the operations generally for passenger flights as well? I mean, there's a lot of different issues that the airlines have to deal with when it comes to these wars. If you look at, for example, the war in Ukraine, we actually saw as much as 20% of European airspace closed. The war in the Middle East, because that's where a lot of things get rerouted. They go over the Middle East, they move around. That's also affected oil prices, right? So oil prices go up. 
the output decisions from those countries influence future uh, prices for oil. Oil is a massive cost factor for airlines. And not only those kind of immediate operational issues, rerouting of aircraft, dealing with the operational costs, but also what happens to the future, right? So consumers, customers, companies who are, have their supply chains, they start to relook at the, those regions, right? And the regions in and around those areas, either right after a series of attacks, as we saw in, in, in October and into November, and ultimately airlines are then forced to either suspend flights temporarily, start backup operations afterwards, or, or even you know just see a, a massive drop in the bookings and the overall demand for the regions which are immediately around there. Just have a look at where the market is at the moment, Brendan. Uh, the Baltic Air Freight Index was down a, a further 6.6% in the week to the 8th of January after falling steeply in late December from a 2023 peak achieved on the 11th of December. Everyone I've spoken to, though, they're expecting the market to pick up, not least because of these shipping delays and rising prices around the lack of accessibility via the Suez Canal for ocean shipments. Is that how you view the market at the moment? Yeah, I think that still aligns with our thinking and what we're seeing, as well as the comments that I received personally from our members and the, the industry as a whole. I think at this stage, the 2024 forecast remains relatively accurate, but there's still quite a lot of uncertainty out there. That could be the geopolitical ones, the economic uncertainty, as well as, you know, we, we still we're going to stop along the way with concerns around supply chains, around regulatory imperatives and the cost of compliance uh, that airlines are going to have to deal with. You know, just one example right off the top of the bat is, is how airlines are actually directly impacted by supply chain delays because they're, they're not necessarily receiving the delivery of the aircraft parts. And that's going to limit capacity expansion. It's going to limit their fleet renewal. And that's going to ultimately impact not just passenger business, but the cargo business, the belly capacity that's available for cargo business. So there's still a lot of uncertainty remaining to kind of work out throughout 2024. But I think at this point, we're expecting to see, uh, you know, that overall 2024 forecast to be relatively accurate. With rising costs and, and this potential market uptick that we're talking about maybe in the first quarter, can I just go back to your numbers that you put out in early December? IATA's predicting global air, airline cargo revenues will, will fall this year to $111 billion, down from a peak of $210 billion in 2021. This is still above 2019 revenues of 101 billion. You're also predicting global flown volumes will rise to 61 million tons this year, up 3 million tons from 2023. Are you revising any of those forecasts or are you expecting that they'll need to be changed at some point because of the shipping situation and some of those other things that you've just mentioned there around the Middle East and the Black Sea? Uh, I think the shipping situation, the what we see, port congestion, for example, down around South Africa, what we see in the Black Sea area as well, those are things we need to keep an eye on, see whether that affects the overall forecast or whether these are, are things which Air Cargo will temporarily step in to address. We do see the capacity will continue to return, and that's going to have an effect on the yield side of, of Air Cargo. We saw a huge recovery in 2023, in particular around the city pair routes. But what we didn't see or what we see much slower is the frequency of service that comes back to that. So we don't actually have the full capacity on those routes uh, yet, right? That's coming back to pre-pandemic levels, but a little bit slower. And so we will see incoming capacity of belly holds, which will decrease the cargo load factor overall on international routes. 
And then we should see that trend stabilize as the normality returns between passenger and cargo. They kind of realign to that pre-pandemic normality in terms of the, the, the overall mix, the total number of frequencies of service, as well as city pairs. So still a little bit to look out for because there are some things that were probably not fully known at the start of the forecast period uh, when we're looking at 2024. But that's kind of what air cargo is used to. It's part of the cycle that we're, we're in. We, we saw, as you mentioned, a lot of belly hold capacity came back in last year. Uh, yields were down 32.2%. You're predicting a further 20.9% decline this year. Are you expecting all of that capacity to come back in the early part of the year, or is it a gradual process? Is there a timeline to the return of that extra pre-COVID capacity, I guess we could call it? Uh, so it's a little bit of a slow return, and it's regional. Uh, some regions will return a little bit faster than others. We see a lot of the capacity coming back on Asia-Pacific in particular, and like I said, that has a lot to do with the frequency of service that starts to come back, which has been slower. So it's it's not so much that new destinations are opening back up. That seems to be relatively back on track. But we would see the frequency of service in some of these locations where there are still struggles is going to be places like, for example, what we saw in Europe over 2023, where they really struggled with restrictions flying around Europe, as well as with uh, the supply chain disruptions, getting aircraft parts in to, to continue their expansion. If I may pivot slightly on the idea of normalization, Brendan, over the last year or so, I guess, as the market has quietened down, we've heard some of the more traditional narratives about air cargo resurface, or maybe criticisms would be a better word. One of those is that air cargo lacks a bit of customer focus. Another is that it doesn't really provide joined up expedited services that really maximizes its advantages to, to supply chain users. Do you agree with that? Is there room for improvements out there? And should shippers expect that this year? It's really hard to paint air cargo with a single brush to say that there is a overall lack of customer focus. There may be in some cases, uh, and I think there is absolutely room for improvement. We've had lots of discussions in the past couple of years around which standards are in place and are they the right ones? So I think that's an area for improvement, which is that we can further implement the things which are actually there which helps us actually spend more time on quality. I think where shippers need to get engaged and, and hope to see and, and, and play a part in seeing improvements is really going to be through some of the digital processes and some of the, the digitalization, you know, focusing really on data and data exchange rather than peer-to-peer -peer messaging exchange that replaces a, a single piece of paper. What that does is it really allows the industry to focus on actually serving the customer because you can do a lot of the communication sort of automatically and address the immediate concern of the customer. And it really allows you to actually then spend some time and focus on, okay, what are the pain points that we can further resolve? So for example, our one record standard is moving towards a, a period of implementation. And what we see there is, is a huge opportunity for all players in the supply chain to really get improved communication. Is this going to have tangible impacts? They say, as you say, it's hard to generalize, but these things come up again and again, whether it's localized or people talking more about a wider area or region. It's sort of an air cargo expedited shipment that should only take 48 hours, say taking a week. And the breakdowns tend to be in the same places. Is I also doing anything to address this or, or to bring all that data exchange together to smooth that process? Yeah, absolutely. A good example of some of the things that we're doing is we work with the uh, Brazilian customs authorities over a number of years to help improve the, the kind of digital practices that they had there. 
and we finally got acceptance for some of the digital messaging to go through in Brazil. And that improved significantly the throughput through customs. So there was a, a reduction in dwell time by over 50% on arrival. So it really speeds up clearance. It, it expedites everything. We see the same benefit or even more benefit as we move towards one record and sharing this information with customs authorities or with other parties in the supply chain in advance, right? So doing preloading advanced cargo information, doing pre-arrival, and then really expediting those processes because they can do much more uh, of the, the job that they want to do and they can access their information much more effectively. So we'll see tangible improvements on the areas of main concern, like those real critical control points, dwell time on the ground, you know, waiting for customs clearance or waiting for regulatory authorities. If we can get the supply chain to actually start sharing that data effectively across it. Another big challenge for Air Freight, Brendan, is sustainability. Shippers, well, some shippers are getting very serious about cutting emissions. IATA estimates that uh, sustainable aviation fuel, which we all know is SAF, a SAF production will only rise to 0.3, will only represent 0.53% of airlines' total fuel consumption this year. Obviously, it's a complicated subject with a lot of challenges, but in your ideal world, what needs to happen to increase SAF production and usage? What's your nirvana for sustainability, Brendan? Yeah, I mean, we could probably spend, you know, a full hour or <laughs> two know, uh, doing, doing SAF and, and bringing in lots of different experts on just that topic together. But, you know, we recently had the uh, third conference on aviation alternative fuels uh, late last year. We then had COP28 in December. Governments agree that there needs to be this broad transition from fossil fuels to avoid the worst effects of climate change. But the airlines don't need any convincing. In fact, they've been purchasing every last drop of sustainable aviation fuel that's being produced. And so Nirvana is really that we have that production. And what I think we need to look for is that 2024 is the year where governments actually follow up on that declaration. They actually say, okay, we spoke in December of 2023 and we committed and we agreed that this was a key role in, in improving climate uh, issues. And so then they deliver those policy measures that actually incentivize scaling up of SAP production. And joining forces then with the industry that's actually going to you know, start to use and, and, and all of these different players can really get together and use the sustainable aviation fuel, which allows them to kind of improve their immediate efficiency. And then they can start to look at how they can even further do that beyond 2030 and uh, into the 2050 timeframe. Don't suppose you can point me towards any solid government action that's going to happen this year, can you? I, I don't have a full visibility on that, but uh, I think we could probably look to a few who have committed in uh, in December and, and we'll start to see, I hope, uh, a number of governments actually start to put some firm policy out there. And is it really, is it the policy action? Some of the refiners I've spoken to have said they can't always get long-term commitments from, from carriers. I think we're starting to see that that has shifted. The airlines really don't need any additional convincing. Governments agree that we should see at least a 5% carbon savings by 2030 from SAF. So it's commitment of all parties at that point, right? But we do need to incentivize production because airlines purchased all of the sustainable aviation fuel that was made in the previous years, uh, 2022, 2023, and wanted more, right? So if it is incentivized by the governments, if there is good policy measures in place, the airlines are able and ready to actually uh, commit to purchasing it. If we get to 0.53% of airlines total fuel consumption this year when would we then get to one percent you reckon what's possible 
That's probably a question I'm going to have to defer over to my staff experts uh, who can who can walk us through that. We have some interesting roadmaps that we put out there for how to get to net zero overall and some interesting milestones, but we're starting to get into sort of a level of technicality that uh, I, I'm not close enough to the subject to answer. Fair enough, Brendan. Just finally, uh, the IATA Air Cargo Symposium is in Hong Kong this March. What can uh, people expect? Anything new lined up? Anything exciting? New innovations? Maybe some numbers on SAF? Yeah, absolutely. So SAF's going to feature in the discussion. We'll, we'll talk definitely about air cargo sustainability as a whole. Other areas actually include that we have our FACE-UP competition. So FACE is our future air cargo executive program. Uh, and this is for recent graduates to give us their ideas for how they want the air cargo industry to, to shape up. And then an independent panel of judges kind of puts the finalists together. We'll actually hear from those finalists, which is always really exciting and invigorating. So we got some young recent graduates or even current students talking about what they expect to see, what they want to see of our industry. We'll continue to talk about our three priorities. So safety and security, air cargo sustainability and digitalization, but it's moving much more towards action and how the implementation is actually going, where the roadblocks are. And the last thing is that we start to see how some really interesting use cases for digitalization, like generative AI and automation, play a role in rounding out the, the, the total business case for that. We'll have a, a great group of speakers and panelists, and, and we've been really looking forward to get to Hong Kong. It's something we were actually going to do before the pandemic, and I've had to kind of shift around and move, so we're really looking forward to going there. Brendan Sullivan, IATA Global Head of Cargo. Thanks for joining me on this Freight Buyers Club News Insight special today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Great to speak.